I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, have I got something cool for you to check out? Behind the Mic, Voices of the EPN, an inspiring and engaging podcast brought to you by the Education Podcast Network and hosted by EPN's founder, Christopher J. Nessie. So much cool stuff to learn. You're going to have fun listening. Check it out now. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Ed Hess. Ed has spent over 20 years in the business world and joined academia in 2002. He has written 15 books, and his focus is typically you know, on high individual and organizational performance. Today, we are focused on one of his latest books. It's called Own Your Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness in the Age of Smart Technology and Radical Change. What a powerful book. What a powerful talk. You're going to love it. Thanks so much for listening. And oh, by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you do that for me? You know, what do you think? Five stars and uh, maybe some really nice words. That would be so cool. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Maletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Maletto. Edward D. Hess is a professor emeritus of business administration, Batten Faculty Fellow and Batten Executive in Residence Emeritus at the Darden School of Business, University of Virginia. He received his B.S. from the University of Florida, his J.D. from the University of Virginia, and his L.L.M. from New York University. Professor Hess spent more than 20 years in the business world as a senior executive at Warburg Paraba Becker, Betcher & Company, the Robert M. Bass Group, and Arthur Anderson. He joined Academia in 2002 as an adjunct professor of organization and management at the Goizeta School of Business at Emory University, where he taught in the business undergraduate and MBA programs and was the founder and executive director of both the Center for Entrepreneurship and Corporate Growth and the Values-Based Leadership Institute. In 2007, he joined the faculty of the Darden Graduate School of Business as professor of business administration and the first Batten executive in residence. He has taught in the MBA and EMBA programs in over 21 executive education programs at Darden, IESE Barcelona, the Indian School of Business, Georgia Tech, and AVT Denmark. He is the author of 14 other books and well over 160 practitioner articles and over 60 Darden cases, etc., dealing with innovation and learning cultures, systems, and processes. The common theme of his work is high individual and organizational performance. He is a certified Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Centered Coaching Coach. Our focus today is his book, Own Your Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness in the Age of Smart Technology and Radical Change. Ed, welcome and thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Thank you very much for having me and hello everyone and thank you for being here with us. Well, glad to have you here and what a cool book you've written and uh, <laughs> timely and I think everyone needs to read this book. Uh, Ed, why did you write your book, Own Your Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness in the Age of Smart Technology? I wrote this book to help people from all walks of life be able to have meaningful work and happiness in the age of smart technology and radical change. The age of smart technology is here. 
artificial intelligence smart technology has become very smart. Chat GPT-4 is very smart in what's coming after GPT-5, GPT-6, GPT-7 will be even smarter. We're now in a new game of work. People will have work going forward if they can add value in ways that the smart technology can't. And this is, is really heightened because we will live in the most disruptive work time since the Great Depression. Technology is going to automate blue and white collar jobs. Everyone will have to adapt. The best research out there by Oxford University predicts 25 to 47 percent of the U.S. jobs will be automated by 2030. 25 to 47 percent of jobs by 2030. Wow. The best scientists have predicted that the average person will have five completely different jobs in the next 20 years. So what does this mean? We all have to learn how to be highly adaptive learners who can learn, unlearn, and relearn at the speed of technological change. That is how you will continue to have good jobs. That is how you will stay relevant. And no one will be exempt. Factory workers, service workers, hourly workers, self-employed people, doctors, nurses, engineers, leaders, managers, technologists, entrepreneurs. You and I will have work if we can do the task that add value in ways that the technology can't. That's really where we are. And so if you ask the question, okay, so what's the problem? Well, we are the problem because we are not wired to be highly adaptive learners. Okay. Most of us have not learned how to be a highly adaptive learner. We are wired. Our brains are wired to go out in the world and seek confirmation of what we believe. Confirmation of what we believe. Affirmation of our ego and cohesiveness of our story about how our world works. All of that inhibits you and me from becoming a highly adaptive learner, someone who can basically learn, unlearn, and relearn at the speed of technological change. And I wrote this book to give you the tools and practices that will help you be on your journey to best self, which enables you to become a highly adaptive learner and have meaningful work in this era of smart technology. It's so powerful because, you know, we're, we're at such a time frame in which, you know, like what you talked about, the idea that we want affirmation, um, you know, a lot of what we, we do or try to do, we, you know, there's, uh, there's some sort of uh, push behind us or, or there's a reason for why we do it. If you have some sort of a computer that you know, doesn't have those, uh, I mean, let, let, let's take, for example, like, you know, Sometimes when you come up with ideas, there's someone who's always against it. <laughs> um, good or bad. Well, if the computer's not dealing with with those to sorts of things, I mean, those sorts of obstacles, um, they just do what their programmer taught to do. I mean, I, I would think that that would shorten down the time of dealing with some stuff. <laughs> I mean, it yes, yes, exactly right. And, and then 
the the com the computer so far is not emotion. All right, and our, our emotions are one of the key things that sort of get in our way of being a good learner. Um, you know, we're we want to be liked by other people. We want to, you know we want to be uh, feel good in etc. We want to be competitive um, and we want to win. Uh, sort of how we're you know we're we're raised uh, to get the you know to get the big the good grade to get the big star put on your head so to speak. Um, you know and the comp the computers you know. They don't. They don't have all this human stuff. That's big opportunity for us humans. The fact they don't have all the human stuff. All right. Um, it's pretty clear, though, the technology is moving into the human stuff. If you just look at the history of social media, you know, technology's been able to hack emotions in people. Technology's been able to in impact your emotions to impact how you feel about each other to feel about how do you feel about yourself uh, so technology has the power to impact you but technology itself doesn't have emotions and uh, emotions will be one of the key things that are that will differentiate us but also emotions are one of the most difficult things for us to deal with you know what's what's it's, what's really crazy about this is just how quickly we're kind of getting, we're at this stage. And uh, because, you know, for a little bit, uh, it was something that was going to happen, you know, that a long time ago in the late fifties and so forth, there's all these books and movies about the giant computer that's going to take over the world and uh, dominate us. And then, you know, for a while, there's the idea that uh, the, the, you know, uh, different shows like Star Trek. And then later there, there's a movie or two about the things like war games where the possibility that the computer does its own controlling of uh, uh, the missiles and uh, launches the missiles when uh, things get confused. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that in those days, I'm not so sure we really had that ability for that, that type of stuff to happen. Now I'm not so sure, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, um, you, you wonder a little bit about uh, uh, what can happen when you watch, when you ask a question and you watch the uh, computer type in front of you uh, come up with uh, a recipe for meatloaf. <laughs> you know, the person who's going to be able to do well in this smart technology age, um, what's going to help them get there? That's a, that's a great question. Okay. And, you know, the, the end result is to become a highly adaptive learner. And we have to accept the fact we have not been taught or learned how our brain works. And we've not really, most of us, been taught how to take ownership of what goes on inside of our body, how to take ownership of our ego, our mind, our, our body itself, our emotions, how we listen, how we think, how we build caring, trusting relationships with others. We're, we are wired. This is the science. This is not Ed Hess. This is science. We are wired to go out in the world to seek confirmation of what we believe, affirmation of our ego. We all want pats on the head and cohesiveness of our stories, how our world works. So if you think about it, 
our natural way of being is to seek confirmation, affirmation, cohesiveness. That's not the roadmap to being a highly adaptive learner. That's the roadmap to being left behind, all right, in the sense that we're not going to learn at the speed of change unless we overcome that wiring and learn different ways to work, to behave, to learn. We're also emotionally, we strive to be right instead of striving to learn. All of this inhibits becoming a highly adaptive learner. That's why I say in the book, your biggest competition in this new world of smart technology will be you, not others. You have to take ownership of yourself in order to become a highly adaptive learner. And that ownership of yourself, right, allows you to bring your best self to the table, to work, to life every day. And so the journey here is a personal journey. How do you learn? How, how do you learn to bring your best self to work every day by taking ownership of your ego, your mind, your emotions, how you listen, how you think, how you build relationships to other people? And training yourself to do that is the way that you can basically have a good opportunity to become a highly adaptive learner. And this is, this is not something that's easy because, you know, if, if you, Steve, said, you know, said something, you know, that, hey, Ed, you know, um, I don't understand why you believe this. Please help me understand, all right? A person's normal way of reacting to that emotionally is immediately to think, I'm being attacked. I need to defend or deflect instead of saying, that's a good question. Let me, let me try and explain what I think, but I'm open to what, you know, you, know, you helping me think better. I mean, how many times has anybody listening to, to us, how many times have you had a conversation in the business world when you have asked anybody, hey, help me think better. This is what I'm thinking. What am I missing? And being open to not identifying, not getting your jollies out of being the smartest person in the room. And this is especially important for men because the science shows that women generally are better collaborators than men are, right? And so, you know, we get back to the ego. Everybody wants to look good. Everybody wants to be, you know, thought of as good. And if we get so wrapped up into that, you can't step back and become a highly adaptive learner. Does any of that make sense, Steve? Oh, it makes perfect sense. I, you know, it's uh, especially because this is a lot of times I would think that this is where, you know, that uh, what's, uh, you know, like competition comes into play where people are, are not necessarily really competing 
competing, but they're making it a competition because they don't want to be outdone by somebody else or they don't want to be looked looked upon as if they don't know. Yeah, you're exactly right. People view it as, you know, as combat, as battle, as competition. And the, the, the fact is, is that, that none of us are going to be able to be as smart as smart technology. We have to focus on what are the types of ways of thinking, all right, that we can do that the technology can't do, all right? And what are the types of ways of being are we going to be able to do the technology can't do? And so that's the we we're we're not gonna beat the technology. We're gonna to have to basically learn how to continuously adapt and be able to do the types of things the technology cannot do well. And 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 that is basically thinking differently than the technology can think emotionally engaging in positive ways with other human beings, right? Those are the two big ways, right? The two big differentiators that we're going to have. The third differentiator is for workers whose job requires them to go in to try to understand what's wrong with a machine or something and have to iterate and discover the problem. And then when a worker has to, okay, I, this is an unusual problem. I'm going to try this and see if this works. And then if that doesn't work, I'm going to try this. And so iterative exploring the problem and iterative trying to fix the problem especially in trade jobs, it's going to be very hard for the smart machines to do. So if you come down to it is, I got to think in a way that the technology can't think. I have to basically be able to connect with people emotionally since technology can't do it. And if I'm in a trade job, uh, which will be jobs that will be very valuable, if I'm in a trade job where I have to basically constantly figure things out and test them and by and also have human dexterity other than that you know there's not going to be a lot of room that's that's why that's why the numbers that we talked about before are so staggering that uh, you know we could be looking at automation as high as 47% of the people in the country by 2030 it's amazing. That's it. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, I talk about something that many people would not be ready for. Um, you know, we've had a, the big quit, whatever you want to call it, the resignation or whatever, um, only to find out that, you know, some of these companies are trying to find different ways because, you know, their hands been forced into increasing um, pay at, at the same time the technology is getting better about being able to do some jobs that, uh, you know, maybe all you need now is a person to make sure that if it, it gets unstuck when it gets stuck or, you know, you push the button to reset it. 
and 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 this key about becoming a highly adaptive learner is is you know it requires you to to take ownership of what's going on inside of ourselves our our, our mind our body our emotions how we think um uh, and with this goal of best self requires you to constantly be okay my competition is myself Am, am I learning to be a better thinker, a better learner, better listener? Am I a good collaborator? How can I become better? Am I, you know, am I trying to be better than others or am I trying to become my best self? Get rid of this competition stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a lot like, you know, the, the concept of, of what it means to be smart and the need to have humility all right which is so important and you know it's it's the you know humility is is is, is founded is in all of the great religions and all of the great philosophies and psychologist uh, june price tangy defines humility this way and i know that there's lots of people listening especially men are going to hear the word humility and they have already shut down okay you know, that's, that's sort of weakness. No, it's not. Humility in this new smart technology age is going to be a strength, right? Humility is the new smart. And the definition of humility in psychology is having an accurate view of your abilities and achievements, being able to acknowledge your mistakes, your imperfections, being open to new ideas, contradictory information and advice, keeping one's abilities and accomplishments in perspective and having a low focus on self. Humility helps us change the story about what it means to be smart. Every one of us who went to school, okay, wanted to be the smart person. And, you know, uh, smart people were the people that got ahead. And... Many times it became competitive. I had to be smarter than the other person. And this whole concept of smart is going to change now. In, in order to be a highly adaptive learner, you've got to embrace new smart. And there are five principles to new smart. I'm defined not by what I know or how much I know, but by the quality of my thinking, listening, relating, and collaborating. That right there is mission critical to being a highly adaptive learner. My mental models, my stories, my world are not reality. They're only my stories of how my world works. Steve, your world works a different way. Okay? That doesn't mean I'm right, you're wrong, or you're right, I'm wrong. It means we have to understand each other's story. I'm not my ideas. In other words, my I don't... I'm just not all tied up into I'm the right one and everyone else is stupid. I must decouple my beliefs, not my values, from my ego. I must be open-minded and treat my beliefs as hypothesis to be tested and subject to modification by better data. And my mistakes and failures are opportunities to learn. So if you think about those five new smart principles and talking about humility, and talk about big ego, right? 
and you think about what that does, all of that allows you to be more open-minded, more likely to discover new ways of doing things, more likely to be a good collaborator, more likely to be a better listener, and I think I said more likely to be a better thinker. All of this, when all of a sudden our competition is not each other, but it's smart technology. All of this requires us to, wait a minute, time out. The game has changed. The rules have changed. What got us here won't get us there. We've got to take ownership of ourselves. We've got to be on our journey to best self. We've got to bring our best self every day so we can be a good thinker, a good learner, a good listener, a good teammate, a good collaborator. And especially I'm emphasizing the good collaborator because most work going forward is going to be dependent upon people being good collaborators with each other because nobody's going to have the magic answer. The game has been elevated. The difficulty has been elevated. Does any of that make sense? Oh, it very much does. You know, it's, you know, it's something that I think a lot of us are not ready to deal with in that, uh, you know, as we're, because I, I got to tell you, a big part of anything that I've been part of on, on my work journey is that you, you generally will run into somebody in a meeting who wants to have the last word because they're afraid that, I, I mean, this is my thought about it, is that they're, they're afraid that uh, they'll look bad if they don't show all that they know. And, yeah. and that's, you know, a lot of times that doesn't help you get the job done. Matter of fact, people start fearing for when that person raises their hand at the end of the meeting, not now, you know type of thing. And, you know, and I think that, you know, one of the things that, you know, you're, you're looking at when, when just, just as a, you know, we have this, when we work together, it is so important that we figure out how to get beyond those types of little competitive um, situations, because, you know, it's one thing to be trying to get to the finish first as a group, but it's a whole nother thing if you're trying to outdo or, you know, it's kind of like, um, when I coached little kids soccer when they were four and five years old, one of the problems you have is that they're very concrete thinking at those times. And so, um, the concept of pass the ball is not real to several of them, <laughs> to many of them, because yeah. once they get the ball, they want to keep it. And I think moving to adulthood, that's, that still happens in many people is that I'm going to, I'm going to drive this home. So I get the credit or, um, whatever. And I think that that's something that is very difficult to let go of. Yeah. And, 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 but that's part of the game. It's, it's interesting over the years, I've given thousands of leaders that I've worked with a test to help them determine their learning weaknesses. And what's so fascinating and these from people from all different types of jobs, uh, military, business, education, when you look at the, the data that I was given, in other words, they, they, the number one weakness is the lack of humility, Every, which in the lack of humility basically can be restated as big ego. All right. The re research shows 
especially men, have a big ego. They believe that what they think is the right answer, and they're not open to changing their mind or going to look for disconfirming information. They don't want to look bad. They won't, don't want other people to think that they're not smart, which is just what you said, all right? I mean, big ego people sort of, it's all about me, all right? And being having that big ego, you can't be a highly adapted learner. You're going to be left behind because being a highly adaptive learner enables open-mindedness, real listening, better thinking, building positive relationships with other people. And it's interesting. So the number one thing that people that I've worked with have had to work on is humility. The number two thing when they took their test was reflective listening, actually listening to someone and trying to understand what they're saying without, you know, thinking about your answer while they're talking, while, you know, not talking to yourself saying that's stupid and looking at your devices. All right. 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 So humility and, and truly listening to somebody, and when somebody ends with their statement, not, you know, leaning forward, okay, and punching up and, and telling them why they're wrong, but maybe instead saying, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. This is what I heard. And you state what you heard. Am I hearing you correctly? Am I missing something? And many times that will create a conversation where both sides are working towards getting to the best answer instead of who wins. So this whole way of being so that I'm, I'm just not, not so fragile. It's okay if I, you know, don't know everything. And so I gotta, I gotta basically change how I define myself. And that's what those five new smart principles were about. And the building blocks to becoming your best self, that's why you gotta take ownership of your ego in your mind. And we haven't talked about mind, and I'm sure we will in a moment, because that's very important. Just like taking ownership of your emotions, all right? Ownership of your behaviors. And so that's a new way, I mean, I don't know about you, and I don't know, you know, I have granddaughters in school systems and everything. There's not a lot of conversation going on in schools about, okay, how do we take ownership of our ego, our mind, our body, our emotions, our behaviors, our listening, our thinking, and how we relate to other people? Because that's going to be types of abilities that are going to make it easier for people to be a highly adaptive learner and highly adaptive learners will have the best probability of having meaningful work and happiness in the age of smart technology. You know, it's just, it, it is so powerful because 
one of the things that, uh, I mean, not only do we need guidance on how we can become successful in it, we need guidance on how to stay in it, in this game, um, you know, in, in to, to make our life become something productive again. Um, because we have, you know, we have the possibility, I said again, I mean, we have the possibility of losing um, our ability to be productive in it if um, the way we did things before is something that's suddenly taken away by automation, I would think. Yes. And yes. And I mean, and then, you know, then you definitely are starting over. And in, and in doing that start over, you've got to be able to do things that technology can't do well. Right. The technology is all of a sudden not going to become stupid. Right. <laughs> right. And, it, and, and it's so how do I do things that technology can't do well? And we talked about what are those basically types of things. Okay, well, how do I learn that? Well, you got to be open-minded. You got to be a good learner. Okay, you got to manage what's going on in yourself. You got to you got to bring you you got to bring inner peace to the game of work, where I'm quiet inside. All right. My mind is not chatterboxing me and not critiquing everything I'm saying or critiquing everything somebody is saying. I'm actually trying to listen. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to find better ways to do my job. And that requires me to be open to the fact that maybe I don't have it all nailed down. So it's this adaptability thing that is is the key, is how do we remain adaptable and still feel good about ourselves and we will feel good about ourselves when we take control of ourselves, our internal controls and it's work which never ends okay i know people that have been on this journey decades some people some of the smartest people in you know i've been fortunate to meet smartest people in the world and when we talk about what I'm talking about with you, Steve, these people still today spend personal time every morning and every evening working on themselves, doing their practices and their tools so that they basically, and it's a lot of it is many, many, many people do mindfulness meditation, which is learning how to be aware and take control of what's going on in your mind and body. Uh, it allows you to come to the table and inner peace, uh, and it helps you train your mind. Um, and, you know, but there are other ways also. Okay, how do I control my emotions? And the book teaches people how do I generate positive emotions because positive emotions enable better learning all right how do i manage negative emotions how do i basically stop the negative emotions okay from basically taking me down an avenue that's going to be a train wreck all right um etc and yeah i can remember early in my marriage i was a you know i was Young, you know, young person, everything. I was, you know, not that it matters, but I mean, I was raised in uh, rural Georgia, very humble background. 
Uh, I was highly motivated to be successful, to make my parents proud of me. Uh, you know, and I took that up through education and took that up through the business world. And my wife, who's a scientist and a lawyer, a very smart person. One thing I did right, I married somebody smarter than I am. And uh, nice. we were having a conversation. And it was getting pretty heated. And she asked me this question. Do you realize that you don't have to use that tone of voice and talk like that? If you're upset, and I looked at her and says, what do you mean? She says, do you realize that you could take a couple of deep breaths and calm yourself and be able to ask questions, which I'll answer, but ask them in a way that doesn't basically show me that you're angry at me or think badly of me? I said, I've never heard that. She says, well, that's something you should work on. And you know what? She was right. Nice. Because when you feel your feelings do not automatically have to become your behaviors. You can take ownership of your feelings and slow down. Okay? You can calm your emotions with deep breathing exercises or the power of pause or do positive self-talk. You can generate positive emotions and come to the table with a proper mindset. And you can manage negative emotions, not just let them run free in our minds. All of this sounds sort of squishy, but it's mission critical when you are trying to basically have meaningful work and happiness in an age where the speed of change is going to be so huge and the human flexibility, adaptability is so mission critical and that requires you to take ownership of yourself and to, you know, to work on being your best self. And it will be a lifelong job, but it will increase the probability you will have a job. Such a good point. The, um, you know, one of the things that I got to I got to ask here is so, um, if we're got to become a highly adaptive learner in order to survive, um, you know, to to be able to um, understand what it takes to be well in this world, and you know, can you kind of outline again just what those foundational building blocks of the journey to best self are. So then we can talk about where we start. Yeah. Yeah. The journey, the journey to the best self really where to start is to start with the, having a quiet ego and managing and managing what's going on inside of you through mindfulness meditation. Uh, some of the smartest people in the world are, you know, are undertake meditation. Meditation has been around for thousands of years. All right, it's been based in you know, the great religions and the great philosophies, uh, and it's learning how to calm yourself. How do I come to the world with 
inner stillness with that open mind and, and the ability to actually see and understand and be calm because I can learn better. So where do you, where do you start? You got to work on quiet ego and embrace the new smart principles, humility. Then I would say, start out with mindfulness meditation, start out doing three minutes in the morning and three minutes at night. That will be very helpful. Start out using coherent breathing or the Navy SEALs box four breathing exercises, how to calm yourself down when you feel yourself emotionally getting riled or you feel energy overtaking you. When you, and so it's these little tools and you, you start out with three to five minutes in the morning, three to five minutes at night. And then as you work on you, you, you build up and you, you know, you need to get to, you know, 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night. That's a very good point to get. And people that are really superstars get even higher than that. And, but it's the key is you, you, you have do daily practices using tools and the book has 28 practices and tools which you can choose from. It has 35 workshops, which helps you do these things and tells you how long to do them and how to keep track of yourself. And it all comes back to, all comes back to our biggest competition is ourself and this, the science of deliberate practice. You know, if you look at great athletes, okay, great athletes, especially when you look at the NBA, the National Basketball Association, almost every team in the National Banking Soci Basketball Association has an in-house meditation expert who helps their players. Okay. Same thing happens in other sports also. So you can and getting this type of information, it's all in it's all in all in the book, but there's always ways to um, to improve yourself. And so you start out, but you gotta stick with it. And no one that I know of who has started out and stuck with it is ever said, this doesn't work, this doesn't make sense, this is not helping me. It's life-changing, and that's good because the world is changing and work is changing, and we need to bring a different self to the table now. And the means are there. They're proving. They're proven in science. It's not just, you know, swishy stuff. It's science on how to basically manage manage ourselves. Does that make sense? Oh yes, it does very much. So, you know, one of the things that uh, um, you've referred to a couple of different times is managing. Um, their emotions. And I, th 
one of the things I wanted to get you to talk about a little bit is that I think sometimes this is where, you know, when you mentioned humility and thinking about uh, how we interact with each other and actually listening and such that, you know, we jump to conclusions or we do the, the thing about uh, we're, we're actually not listening to them because if we had been, maybe we would have heard <laughs> what their intentions <laughs> were or whatever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think it's funny that uh, there's so many things that interfere with us in how we interact um, in, in following along with what, you, what you're saying that because we want to jump in or we want to solve the problem or, you know, the ego is out of control because it's, it's necessary for me to get the attention, not, not you. And I, I think that, you know, what's, what's amazing to me is that when we talk about, uh, uh the possibilities of what our work world will, will be like, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm a big fan of old cartoons <laughs> and there used to be this one called the Jetsons. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, George went to work and he pushed a button. That's that's all it did. He pushed this one button every day and uh, he would push it over and over and over again. And, uh, um, you know, he started it and stopped it. And then he did other things by pushing a button. And, you know, sometimes I think that's kind of where we're getting to. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the idea of controlling what we have, what we say, what we do. Um, I think sometimes, you know, it's just, it's like we almost feel like we have to be, I don't know, that's where our control comes from is by being able to be uh, confrontational with somebody. At, uh, or even if it's not face-to-face confrontation, it's through um, how we do work. So it, if the computer's not doing that, I can see how we could easily walk ourselves out of a job <laughs> if it's easier to work with the the computer than it is with the person. I Well, I mean, in in work going forward in most industries is going to be highly collaborative between human beings. And there's five major research studies that were done at MIT and at Carnegie Mellon, two great engineering and technology schools, all right, about collaboration. And the findings are, at least to me, were surprising. Uh, And they basically got teams of five people together and they formed those teams with different ratios of men and women. And the goal was which teams were the best collaborators, which teams basically... uh, their output in their product was was winning, winners, okay? Who were the best collaborating teams? All five research studies found the following. Teams that had five women and zero men were the best collaborators. The second best, four women, one man. The third best, three women, two men. Now, when I, this is science. When I talk about this with men, their immediate reaction is, that's bad research. Okay, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we, we know what's going on. We, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that women 
women are more collaborative and open in making sure that everybody gets to speak and everybody is heard and everybody's view is considered and that the best and that coming together with a, you know, the best answer is not usually one person's answer where, and I'm a man, I, you know, I've worked in the business world a long time. I can remember when it was my time to talk and I basically then stood up straight, put my elbows on the table. I leaned forward and I started talking with emphasis and maybe too fastly sometimes, but I was basically, you know, on the journey to the smartest person in the room. Okay. Nice. And when somebody, somebody basically raised a question or whatever, I don't think I ever said, that's a good question, Jim. Let me think about that. I don't think I ever said that years ago. I'm co- of course, I'm a different person today. Uh, but I didn't, you know, no. I mean, I leaned forward and I mean, you know, okay. You know, I just took a whack a little bit. Now I'm going to give him a double whack. And all of a sudden you got into the male competition. And that's not the way. It's not the way to work in the old world, in the world we are in today with the smart technology. It's definitely not because unless we can come up and think in ways differently than the technology can think, all right, we're going to be out of work. Or do skills the technology can do. Well, in order to do that, the game that I played when I was in the business world is out of date. If I went back in the business world today and started playing that game, I'd be gone. Hmm. Interesting. And so we all have got to say, okay, new game. Fast game. Competition really is technology in many cases, not other people. And the best way we can win is to basically learn how to think better, listen better, collaborate better. What does that require? Humility open-mindedness, being a reflective listener, you know, asking smart questions to learn, etc. Well, how do I do that? I got to come to the table with those being my goals. And I got to grade myself every day until I get this down, you know, really down, so to speak, that it becomes part of me. So this, all this stuff that I'm talking about, which involves emotions and how you manage self, it really is the nuts and bolts of how to have meaningful work and happiness in the age of smart technology and fast radical change. And it's all science-based and it's all been proven by other people. It's all been proven in organizations that have basically failed better at doing this than 
other people. That's the challenge for all of us is to, okay, and it's easy to start. I mean, I've had students that have, when I've taught courses like this, I've had students who have walked away and they go, thank you, Professor. That's just all very interesting and everything. I don't think I'm going to need it probably because, you know, I'm going to so-and-so, this big consulting firm, and, and I'm, you know, I, I says, okay, just keep it in mind. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of people over the years who reached out to me after they've been in the business world two, three, four years, okay, after they're getting their big degree, come back to me and says, thank you so much. I hit a, I hit a wall and I started using your stuff. And now I am more successful. I am happier. I am, you know, on a better path. I said, you don't have to thank me. Just give yourself a hug because you did all the hard work. Oh, that's excellent. That's, you know, I, I think that it's, it is an adjustment. I mean, it's, depending on what your role is. I mean, it's everything, you know, a long time ago, I had a job at a, when I was in college, I had a job at a McDonald's and uh, it was getting close to Thanksgiving time. And the manager said, okay, the owner wants to know what your thoughts are. Now we were, this McDonald's was close to a very big um, public university. And, mm-hmm. and so it had a constant, um, population of people wanting jobs and uh, um, who wanted to go work there and so forth. And, um, and I'll never forget. Uh, I didn't think anything about it. I just, I, the, the manager said, uh, um, I'd like to know what your thoughts are about uh, the time you might need off or something like that for the holidays. And uh, then the owner will decide uh, what you get. And uh, you know, what happened was I submitted a letter said, Hey, I'd just like to be able to have part of uh, Thanksgiving off and uh, if I could have uh, a day or two somewhere around Christmas time, that would be great. And I said it something like that. And it, it never dawned on me that some of the people that I was sitting with would say things like, hey, I'm going to be gone from this day until that day. And, um, you know, it was very offensive to the owner because <laughs> he basically yeah. said, he said to everybody, he said, uh, he had the manager say it. We didn't actually meet with the owner. He said, uh, um, I, I got a lot of people mad at me because the guy started with me first. He said, um, he's going to give Steve whatever he wants because he said, Hey, if I could just have a little bit of this time here and a little bit of that time there, that'd be great. Um, he said, whereas the rest of you guys who said, I'm going to be gone from this time to this time. He said, you may not have a job when you come back. So you need to decide uh, if you're going to tell me what you're going to do, if you'd like to ask me that type of thing. And, yes. Yes. And you, and you, and you played it right because you, you were trying to, to make sure that this worked for both sides. Right, exactly. Mutual, 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 mutual working. And uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the other people, you know, it's, it's, if you think about it, I don't know who they are or whatever, but if you think about it, it was ego. Right. It was ego taking over. Okay. I want this. And it starts with I. Right. Okay. Not like, can we have a conversation? It would be very helpful for me because of this for family reasons. If I had these days off or whatever, it's a very different way of working and being, being together. And, you know, what's so interesting about all of this human change stuff 
you you know I've talked about basketball players, but you you look at great athletes, great warriors, musicians, artists. Almost all of those people that are fit into those things that I have studied, basically, have have done what you and I are talking about here. All right, it's that it's that okay. And what's so beautiful about this is that once you start seeing the results, you don't turn back. You only go forward and you go higher. And, and it's, it's, and that's not surprising because almost everything I'm talking about, you look at the seven great religions and you look at the great Eastern and Western philosophies and you look at the science that's tested those philosophies, it's all the same. It's, it's the, it's the pathway. The pathway has thousands of years of success behind it. You know, it's a, it's really amazing right now because we're having to make adjustments to something that I think in just a short period of time <laughs> um, made huge leaps and bounds because it was one thing for a little bit when we were watching, I think the company's is it general dynamics or something like that. The one up in Boston, um, that was building the robots that can walk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's one thing. And because they, you could watch the videos of the, them having issues too. You know, they might be able to jump and hop and skip. And then suddenly they jump and hop and skip right off of whatever it was they were jumping and hopping and skipping on. Um, but they're still working on all that. And, you know, at the same time, if we give it some sort of thought or name it, you know, we start thinking that uh, um, it's reasoning. And I think that, uh, you know, I hope that that's the one thing we always can maintain over these technology um, changes that are happening because it's it's pretty scary when you sit there and watch. You say to to uh, the AI, you say something like, uh, um, "Can you write me a uh, a nice paragraph that has to do with?" Uh, uh, I, I need to give a speech about the proper way to uh, to greet people at a door or something, or you know to greet people in the mornings or something like that. And, and it will suddenly come up with something and then you can get more specific about what it talks about and things like this. And, and, uh, you know, next thing you know is it's, it's written it for you. Now it has some problems and it forgets itself or it, <laughs> I, I forget what they called it. They're, they've actually created a name for it when it all of a sudden writes something that's not part of what you were asking it to do. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a scary place where it started from, you know, it, there's a there's a movie from the late '60s that I love to quote or talk about, and unfortunately, I'm getting to a point where a lot of people are going, "What? <laughs> what? what? I don't know if I've seen that one or not." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh God, you're killing me, man!" But the you know, in twenty in 2001, in Space Odyssey, there's a there's a whole section where it deals with Hal and Dave, and Hal is the the onboard computer, and you know they're in space, and Hal decides that it doesn't need Dave any longer. And 
Um, Dave tries to protect himself and loses. And, you know, it's, you know, I think there's, and whether you come more modern and you have Skynet with the Terminator movies and stories or you have whatever, I think there's, there's a thought in there that, you know, are we creating something that's going to, if it's going to make it difficult for us to, um, I mean, it's going to make life better, but at the same time, is it going to make it where we have to think differently about the jobs that we do and how we keep them or, or what they'll turn into, you know, what, I mean, how do you, how do you talk to someone when you think about, because I mean, a big fear right now is that the, the, some of the, some of our jobs are going to be eliminated because of where we are with the technology. I mean, what, what do you say to somebody about, uh, as we're kind of summing up what you've been talking about, what's in your book, uh, um, you know, own your work journey. What, I mean, how do you talk to them about surviving in that world? What's, what would be something specifically you say there? Well, you're, you are correct. There's going, there's going to be automation. Um, and, you know, there could be a lot of automation. And so the question people have to ask themselves is, how easy is it for technology to do what I'm doing? And the answer is pretty easy. Okay. What am I good at doing or what would I like to do or how do I figure out what I can do where I can add value in ways the technology can't add value, at least for the near future, since technology is going to continue to advance. And those types of conversations and thinking and Generally speaking, the consensus is there's three buckets. Right? Being able to think in ways that technology can't think, and that's innovative thinking, creative thinking, going into the unknown and exploring, uh, etc. Um, and then the, you know, the the next one is high emotional engagement with other human beings. Yes, technology is going to be able to have little robots in your house that talk to your children or talk to you and, uh, and have a conversation, but it's not going to be able to emotionally connect and have iterative conversations in the workplace. Right? So it's, and then the third uh, line is, is the, the, the trade jobs that require iterative exploration of defining the problem plus manual dexterity okay lots of dexterity bending doing this you know going on the underneath this which will be hard for robots so it's that and diagnosing the problem and then iteratively trying different ways to fix it All right those will be those are the three skills which there seems to be um, that, that are bought into by many people smarter than I am about which way to go. So, you know, yes, there's going to be human jobs that where you're working with people and the issues are emotional or it's emotionally based and um, that's going to be different than a than a job where basically 
you're either manufacturing something. Um, and even now, what's so mind-boggling about this new technology is the point that you made. This, this new technology is going to basically, and this is new and no one's really thought about, is, is really going to impact Lawyers, judges, book writers, okay? I mean, this this technology, you can, and you've done it, I've done it. I mean, I've, I've used it and said, you know, uh, I want to give a talk about this and everything to this type of audience. Give me some advice. You know, less than five seconds, I've got a printout. Cool. And it's like, <laughs> whoa. This is pretty good. Now, let me see if I can upset it. All right. Well, no, I don't like this point because I'm afraid of this, that someone would be offended. Uh, uh, what would you do to eliminate that? Boom, it comes back. And so I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, I've, as you said, I've written 15 books. I mean, number 15 may be the last one because technology may be writing the book next time. And in, in, in fact, oh. one of the, Best, best books on the technology is written by Reed Hoffman, who is, uh, was one of the co-founders of LinkedIn and was one of the early investors in OpenAI. Uh, it's his book, um, and the authors of the book are Reed Hoffman with GPT-4. And he wrote the book asking the technology questions and iterating the answers and it's, it's like unbelievable. I mean, so this technology is mind boggling. Uh, right. I mean, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to have CEOs, military leaders saying to the technology, here's the situation. This is the points I want to make. Please give me a, you know, 15 minute, 20 minute, whatever speech that I can give to this group. And then they're going to read it through and they're going to do what you do and do what I do. Well, how about this? Is there a way to change this or whatever? You know, you, you iterate, but it's like, and think about it. You know, there, there've been people who've earned a nice livelihood writing those speeches for people. Right. Yeah. They're right. Yeah. That's it's a crazy they thing. Those, those people can't do it in three to five seconds. No. Not. Those people don't have access to the jillions of, of data that the machine, the technology does. That's right? crazy. They've got their views. So if you think about where that is, where that is going, I mean, our school systems and how we educate our students has got to change at a pace much faster then probably school systems in that from that, that goes from, you know, kindergarten all the way through PhDs. You're going to see the whole education system is going to be transformed by this. And the countries that get it right the fastest are going to be the countries that are going to have the best thinkers that can work with technology. Why does that make sense? This is this is an interesting world that we're in now, and it's you know it's the and you're talking about the path to making it something that you can thrive and and 
and be good and be good in. And I got to ask you this question. If you had a chance to be the keynote closing speaker at a conference of educational leaders, what is something that you would want them thinking about when they left your talk? Hmm. That's a good question. Are we and am I really preparing our students to be highly adaptive learners who can learn, unlearn, and relearn at the speed of technological change? And I guess if there was a second one, are we and am I using proven tools and daily practices that will help our students to learn how to think in ways technology can't think, to excel at managing their emotions and learning how to build caring, trusting, positive emotional relationships with others to become their best self. So are we preparing highly adaptive learners and helping people become their best self? Love it. Great, great, good stuff right there. You know, there's so much to, so much to think about, and uh, that's something we gotta we gotta be taking into consideration in our, in our schools and such. I, and you know, Ed, I gotta ask you, this, do you do speaking engagements? <laughs> I mean, d- seriously? Yes, 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 Very. I do. Very cool. So, if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, learn more, connect with you, uh, where would you send them? Um, they can go to to reach me personally to my my. Uh, email, which is se at darden, D-A-R-D-E-N dot Virginia dot E-D-U. If they want to look at uh, the new book, um, the website is um, www.ownyourworkjourney.com. They wanted to find out more about me. It's www.edhess.org. So I'm pretty easily reachable. Very much so. And uh, I'll put that, that information in the show notes, and uh, which is really cool that you have those separate uh, pages as well, because that uh, really helps um, focus. Uh, you know, the, you're, Ed, I, I can't thank you enough for talking with me today. Um, anyone who's thought of giving up, feels lost, should read your book. Anyone who's just who's thinking about how am I going to survive in this world or what's coming, I mean, everyone should read your book. I mean, Own Your Work Journey, The Path to Meaningful Work and Happiness in the Age of Smart Technology and Radical Change. What an incredible book. Um, thank you so much. Wishing you the best in all you do. Thank, thank you very much for having me, and thank you for a great conversation. You're, we, you, we were a great collaborative team. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.